you're listening to The Enlightened Podcast. I'm Dr. Sarah Jane, and I'm a gentle chiropractor, holistic counsellor, energetic worker, intuitive guide, and yoga and meditation teacher. I'm the host and creator of The Enlightened Podcast, and I'll be bringing you stories of resilience, consciousness, healing, the human experience, and just how trauma, loss, and grief can shape us to be more compassionate and more empathetic human beings than ever before. These stories are for the highly sensitive, the empaths, and those wanting to hear a unique approach to holistic health. Hello everyone, good morning, welcome and thanks for joining us today. On this episode, we have someone I have actually been wanting to chat to for a very long time. I've been harassing her for a couple of years, but she's ignored me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) The time just became right. So we have the lovely Emily Hazel, the founder of Serotonin in Melbourne, which is a place I love and I'm sure a lot of my listeners have gone to as well. Um, And it's a place where Emily has created, I guess, an amazing sanctuary really uh, to escape from the busyness and the fast-pacedness of our lives which I'm sure we all can relate to on on so many levels maybe not so much this year but now that we're gone out of lockdown I know that that pace has gone up for so many of us Um, and Emily believes that optimal health really requires a holistic approach and, and that's why you know serotonin integrates so many different things which we'll chat about today um yeah welcome Emily finally thank you I feel like we're in for a real goodie today because I nearly cried just listening to the intro so (laughs) I'm ready I'm emotion filled I'm ready to be honest and raw I love this. No, I am so excited because, to be honest with you, you are such an inspiration to me because what you have created is just phenomenal, 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 (laughs) phenomenal, Um, and at your age and things as well. So obviously I know a little bit more about you, but could you tell everyone, you know, just what about your own journey and what has led you to creating serotonin? Because I know it's I know it's a beautiful story that I think so many need to hear. Thank you. Actually, when I reflect, blows my own mind. I'm going to turn 32 in January 21, but I signed the oh lease for serotonin when I was 24. And when I look at my 24-year-old half, I'm like, there's no chance. What was I thinking? <laughs> Maybe you needed to be young to not know the repercussions so oh, that you could just sign it. A thousand percent. Yeah, there was no fear. It was full tunnel vision of what my goal was. But I did speak to a lot of people just before I opened. I had this like really great thing called a hundred list, which someone taught me and you write a hundred people who are going to kind of help you get to your goal, like reach really high. You know, like I had Lisa Messenger and people back then who seemed out of reach and you just reach out to them through social media. And these people just inspired me so much. So I think I just had no fear. And they, a lot of people said to me, if you weren't so young, I wouldn't let you go into hospitality. They said, it will kill you. It will break you, but you're young enough to handle it. So I think I had mm. age on my side. <laughs> you still had some soul left, so it was fine. You could go into the hospital until 2020, that is. <laughs> until 2020 and we oh. crashed and burned. <laughs> 
Yeah, oh, it's such a tough thing for hospitality. But can you tell everyone a bit about your health journey? Because I know it's been an interesting one because there's not many people at your age because I know you were studying like architecture or design or something <laughs> yeah. as well. And, uh, you know, and I know that, you know, not many people are, are drawn to this kind of field, especially unless they've had their own health journey in relation to what well, I'm assuming happiness with, with what the serotonin's based around. So can you tell everyone a little bit about your health journey as well? Yeah, so... I had always wanted to have a restaurant, like since I was a teenager, I didn't even know where that came from. It wasn't something that I'd seen or, but I just loved kind of hospitality and entertaining. So I really wanted to have a restaurant. We actually used to go to this little Japanese restaurant down in Hawthorne called Samurai. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's just like. I have heard of Samurai. We went there since we were in high school and it used to be $9 for the dinner box, which got you an entree, a main, a drink and a dessert. And there was kind of no alcohol. They just like turned over the tables really quickly, but we'd go in, we'd get to catch up with our friends. You'd always leave feeling like satiated, which is like that full feeling and really satisfied, but never like sickly, like if you've eaten crap. So I always wanted to open a Japanese breakfast cafe, but then cut to about the same time I was going through like what I call mood funks because back then, you know, I hadn't been diagnosed with anything and this was just in my kind of high school years. So I was seeing school counselors at the time and I wasn't really being given enough information to kind of change what was going on in my body. So I was quite like suicidal. This is in high school. Um, and it went on until my early twenties. And then it wasn't until I went to the doctor when I was about 20. And after a five minute chat with a brand new doctor who'd never met me, um, she prescribed me antidepressants and that it just like really shocked me because she didn't ask me, like I was eating terribly. I was not sleeping at all. I wasn't exercising. And then it just kind of felt like this band-aid she just put on top. So I think luckily, yeah, it rung alarm bells for me. And I went home that night and just started researching, you know, what, what do antidepressants mean? You know, what are the side effects? Like, how do I get off them when I want to? And it just did not sit well with me. So I started researching natural happiness. <laughs> How do I just do it naturally? Yeah. And after a few months of that, this word serotonin kept popping up um, in my research. And I just love that serotonin is about mood stabilization. So it's not about this unachievable, unattainable happiness, but it's just about being really content in your everyday mood. So that's what I really was focusing on. All right, how do I just increase my natural serotonin levels? And that was things, yeah, like exercising for me, it works really well in the morning. Sleeping is the absolute most important thing. And then from there, of course, food is <laughs> so huge. So food was the first one I <laughs> changed and I learned about um, tryptophan, which is sort of the precursor to serotonin. So no food really has serotonin in it. It has uh, tryptophan. So that's like complex carbohydrates, uh, sweet potatoes, bananas, <laughs> one that a lot of people know us for. Um, and these all just stabilize your mood. So it was honestly within like weeks or months that I noticed the biggest change. And I sort of started chatting to my friends about it. And I put a few friends who were super anxious um, and going through mood funks too on this, excuse me, on this kind of diet. And yeah, it was so positive for all of us. So about when I was 22, I pivoted from opening and planning to do this Japanese breakfast cafe to doing a serotonin cafe. I was like, people just have to know about this. So it's so pretty similar, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's very is, close, you know. <laughs> for me, Japanese food, it just when you leave a Japanese restaurant, you're just light. And that's how people leave serotonin. You never feel bogged down. You know, we don't really use like 
oils, if any, but yeah, we, we don't use nasty oils. Um, the whole cafe ended up being gluten-free, which wasn't something I set out to do, but it's something I learned over time. Um, and it just made it easy for everyone and obviously sugar-free and dairy-free. So when you leave, you're really full, you're really satiated, but you don't feel sick. <laughs> it's true. I have to admit that because when I, I went to, oh, when did I go to serotonin? Probably a year ago now, unfortunately, with everything that's happened. But um, I ate so much food <laughs> um, and I felt fine. And normally if I do that when I go out, like you pay for it later. But yeah. that just did not happen. So I, you know, and even the place, the way that it's set out, is <laughs> there's there's purpose behind everything, you know, and you can really sense that. Um, you know, it's not just about the food. It's about an experience. Um, and, yeah, it, it really is something you should be so, so proud of. But what led you, I guess, to wanting to create you know a restaurant like this because there's nothing else out there like this either um and I suppose with your own health journey you're like okay I want to help people with this but to actually have the courage and bravery to actually do it is another thing I've got great ideas in his head that sometimes just stay there and then someone else invents them I'm like hey they stole my idea but they didn't they actually just did something about it so you know (laughs) what gave you that because it's insane yeah, I think it's it was really just not having any fear. So Lisa Messenger really taught me to fail fast. So just try and if it doesn't work, get up and do it again, do it again, do it again. So the day I opened, I'd actually never worked in a cafe before in my life. So I probably had no fear at all because I didn't oh know what God. it was going to be like. <laughs> Oh, like, oh my, my friend goodness. and I, we actually, way back in the day, were food bloggers. Um, we had a food blog and we would go around and we would eat and it was amazing. And no one really did it this time. This is maybe like 2012. Maybe Instagram was just coming out and we kept this book. So everything in the front of the book was what we loved. So like I loved certain seating styles like booths and things like that and things that I hated, how you weren't greeted at the door as soon as you walked in and so everything at the front I've done at serotonin and everything that was in the back of the book I've fixed you know you're greeted the staff run you through the menu we have options for everyone just to make it that experience it's enjoyable I think people especially in hospitality have forgotten it's about being hospitable you know it's about the customer if you're not in it to like kind of have a chat to the customer and make them happy what are you in it for Mm. There's a lot of people who don't like people in people-based industries. Yes. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it's quite strange. Um, but okay, so what is happiness to you then? Because obviously it's a huge part of your life. You're wanting to improve everyone's happiness as well as your own. But what does that mean to you? Like because it's quite a you know a large topic. But yeah. when I say what is happiness, what is that to you? Well, that's exactly what back in, yeah when I was 20, I started researching sort of what is natural happiness and how do you get there? So over those five years, um, I wrote what is called the serotonin formula. I worked with um, five different specialists and we looked at all different things around the world. So we've got this sort of 12 steps to natural happiness now. So we've got a really great poster on our website that you can get and 
it's got seven days and it's got all the 12 steps and this is what I use at home. So you sort of put it in a frame with a glass front and get a, a marker and every day you kind of cross or tick whether you've done it and then you look to the next day and whatever ones you've missed, really focus on those the next day. So the first one is just sleeping eight hours a night. So simple, but that is something that affects my happiness and everyone's happiness. We're so grumpy when you have a bad night's sleep. So if you haven't had a great night's sleep the night before, how are you going to have the energy to get up and work out? You'll probably, well, you probably won't work out or you'll do an injury because, you know, not doing it properly. Um, And then getting up and raising your heart rate is just so important as well. That's there's so much science behind this and it's such an easy way to boost your serotonin, but it's only 23 minutes of exercise a day. And that's why I just even, I don't even call it exercise. I just say raising your heart rate. It could just be playing with your kids. It can be going for a swim at the beach. It can just be going for a walk with your dog, just incorporating something like that. It's just so easy to make yourself happy. And then there's a huge one that I love to talk about because everyone in Australia is stuck on it and it's stopping the stimulant cycle. <laughs> so in Australia, we get up in the morning, we have coffee and that shoots us up and then that drops off. And at 3 p.m., we need another pick-me-up. So we have that three o'clock sugar rush and then that drops off and then we get home and everyone has a glass of wine, a beer, and then that shoots your body up again. And by the time you get to bed, your body is so exhausted from being all over the place that you have a bad sleep you wake up tired, you need coffee again. So <laughs> nipping the stimulant cycle mm. in the bud is so important um, as well as for me happiness is just eating fruits and vegetables. So I don't sort of promote any diet but what I do recommend everyone does is double the amount of fruit and vegetables they eat. Like there's a lot of people that can go a whole meal without a fruit or vegetable in there. So just incorporating fruit and vegetables into every single meal of the day will bring so much happiness. And that's, I just feel my body literally vibrate on a different level when I'm eating a really high plant-based diet. I love that. And why do you think so many of us are unhappy then? (laughs) Because, you know, uh, taking 2020 out of it, that's got a little bit more of an understanding as to why, but you know, so many of us are living our lives unhappy or unfulfilled or not feeling purposeful or just sad but we can't work out why because there's not even necessarily anything wrong like you know what is it that's making us so unhappy well I think burnout it was a it's been a huge thing this year everyone was already so burnt out in previous years and then this year's come and we've had this extra fear on top of us um hack on triple j actually just did a whole week on burnout it was just amazing for them to be putting that ah. on the front line, yeah, and talking about that, and but people were calling in, and they did some polls on their Instagram, which I'm sure had tens of thousands of people writing on there, and it was like 92% of people were saying, "Yeah, I am burnt out," and this is like workplace burnout, but it's just fatigue from everything. You know, you've got to become really intuitive with your body, especially for females. Like listening to your cycle, this is just something we're not taught in our culture. So, you know, on the first day of your period, just don't do anything. Just sit and rest, maybe get into nature, um, maybe do a yin, but really do absolutely nothing that first day. Your body is doing a lot already. And then for me, kind of around mid-cycle when I ovulate, that is when I, you know, do my hardcore workouts and I'm running and I'm doing all of my kind of marketing and things like that. So really listening to your body and not pushing yourself. We all just push ourselves. We think, oh, I'm exhausted and we're hitting the alarm. But then we still just get up and go to the gym and then work a 10-hour day. And then so it's just this constant hamster wheel. So you've got to pull yourself off it and really tune into your body. 
Why do you think, because, you know, by the time people come and see me as well, I guess after a few sessions there's there's more connection and more ability for them to be able to feel into into their own body and I think we all have that basically but what we what it takes for us to listen Mm -hmm. is different and I think initially people need the alarm bells before they pay attention to something you know there's little whispers over time you know but they'll be like oh it started off like this I'm like oh when did that start (laughs) oh about four years ago um (laughs) you know and I'm like okay um and then it progressed slowly and slowly but then you know I thought it would go away and it didn't and now it's doing this and I can't work out why and it's and it's like well what started happening four years ago you know yeah um but by the time we actually listen and do something about it it's it's a lot of time has passed and yeah and that's both that's lots of things in life we we bury our heads in the sand hoping it will go away um but what made you I guess start listening to your body a bit more was it because of that experience with that GP who said you know um maybe antidepressants are for you and that's not to say antidepressants aren't for people but like you said you can't you it has to be contextualized yeah um and I think that's missing a lot you know no, and and within two minutes of meeting you also. <laughs> yeah, and not sort of checking in. I, the serotonin formula is kind of what I want to give all doctors to be able to ask their patients who come in absolutely burnt out. So even if they come in for a cough or something, you know, I, the year before I went to that doctor, had taken antibiotics eight times for tonsillitis, you know, and the doctor oh, wow. and I was going to the same doctor prescribing those. So she should have said, what are you doing? You know, and, and I would have been able to change my lifestyle earlier. And really, as soon as I stopped drinking so much and started sleeping a bit more, I haven't had it since. And that is crazy too, for my body to have wow. gone through antibiotics that many times. I was terrible at taking the tablet. So that's probably a positive. I never finished the full cycle. <laughs> Ah, you're the people that that help the resistance within the antibiotics because everyone, you should finish your antibiotic cycle because otherwise the bugs become resistant. My ADD sends me onto another path. (laughs) But But seriously, that's a gut issue as well. So, you know, one of the main signs of anxiety and depression is that there's a gut um, you know, the issue going on or a gut challenge going on. So it's just not holistically looked at, I yeah. think, it's a struggle as well. That's exactly it. And, and going um, to the doctor. You really do that. Going to the doctor wasn't sort of the first person I probably should have gone to. Later, um, only after I opened serotonin, I went through some other health challenges and that, that wasn't until then that I discovered like Chinese doctors and naturopaths. And if I had have had those in my teens, my life would be completely different today. You know, I wouldn't be still healing things from a decade ago. So I just couldn't, mm. yeah, researching what you're going through and finding out who best can help you, I just couldn't recommend more. You know, don't just jump straight to a doctor. Have a look at what else is out there. And that's so important that you mentioned that you have like a team around you and I think everyone should have almost like a health team around them that who they see who helps them with you know different things you know I've got a chiropractor that I see I've got a kinesiologist that I see I've got you know a whole team of people that just get me and understand me and every time I leave there I feel better like I can feel the difference and that's made a huge change in my life but a lot of people don't have um people around them like that and and one of the reasons I wanted to be you know qualified in quite a few areas is so that financially people could afford to get a holistic approach without having to see 
you know, 20 people or, um, you know, so that there wasn't any miscommunications, which sometimes happens as well. But do you, do you think everyone should have a health team around them as well? Yeah, only, of course, whatever is appropriate to you. But I think a therapist is the most important thing to start with. And you can go to the doctor and grab a mental health care plan. So that doesn't cost anything. And I know cost can be something that defers, deters people. So I think definitely seeing mm-hmm. a therapist we all have some kind of trauma that we've gone through or we have something that we need to talk to someone about. So to have that person on your team is so important. And then for me, I see a a Chinese doctor um, at SoulPod in Richmond and I couldn't recommend them more. There's Nat and Nick and they... I've heard of Soul Pod. That's yeah. a beautiful place, isn't it? Oh, my gosh, it's absolutely beautiful. Her husband is actually a builder, so it's got all the elements there. There's water in the garden and it's got all feng shui. <laughs> it's just calming as soon as you walk oh, in. Oh, I love it. But they, I had um, melasma, if you know what that is. In Chinese medicine, it's called liver spots, um, but pretty much my, oh, yes. My, yes, yes, yes. my stress and cortisol had just been so high for so long that I ended up getting these, they're sort of like big, not freckles, but I just got these massive brown patches on my face and I didn't actually notice them for more than six months. And it wasn't until a customer said to me one day, oh, what's on your face? And I went and looked in the mirror and then I went and looked back at photos and I was like, oh my God, I've actually had this for months. And uh, pregnant women actually get it as well, but that's called cloasma. So yes. it's a hormonal change yes. in your body. So for me, I wasn't pregnant. I was just trying to run a startup. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, so it took a lot of investigating to work out, yeah, what that was because at like 27, I didn't know anyone in my life who had this. Now I, I see it quite commonly, I guess, because it's on my radar, but um, acupuncture and Chinese herbs. And then I also went on to see a naturopath helped me sort of heal my hormones, which is a term thrown around so much, but mm. I, I really did a lot of yeah blood tests, saliva tests, urine tests. There's great things that have actually evolved since way back then, a Dutch test now um, to just check in with where I am. Yeah. And I still really regularly see them, even if I'm feeling good, this year has been a struggle. So I've been seeing them once a month. Um, but I really just keep checking in on them and whatever I yeah need, whether it's just some, um, I take like a great algae vegan fish oil and I take zinc and I take magnesium. And these are just things as a business owner that I'll probably need to take for the rest of my life, you know, stress and stuff mm-hmm. and everything that's going on. It's just so good to keep your body purring along so that you don't have that burnout or breakdown, which I've been through. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and usually you have to have been through it to actually care to not go through it again, I think, you know, to put in those preventative measures. Sometimes we just don't do that. We wait until it's burnouts happened and then we're like, oh, now I'll do something about it. Exactly. And I think that was <laughs> So like, I love that you're talking about that. Sorry, I think that was your question before, like what? how do you get to that thing? And what I would recommend for everyone is to take up two things and this is how you'll check in with your body. And it, a lot of people, yeah, might already do these and so they know, but I – do yoga and I meditate. And that's two ways that you're just sitting with yourself and your body. And you will, I will like purr through the day, run through the day, be crazy, crazy, crazy. And then I sit down for my afternoon meditation. I'm like, oh God, I actually have like a sore neck or my back or something like that. And then it'll be in that moment where you're just taking a few breaths to yourself that you kind of work out what's going on. And maybe just through the meditation or the yoga class, you are able to relax what's going on and it doesn't turn into anything more, but that's the great time and the great way to check in with your body before it's too late. 
Mm, that's really good advice actually because yeah you do kind of have to have that moment with yourself to to even check in because a lot of us don't do that you know day day in day out we haven't taken one moment to check in on how we're feeling about something that's exactly right even it's it's the funniest thing for me is like we used to have a lot more breaks in our day and I actually took um I went off social media for the last like nine months since March and I just ended up having more time in my day for example when you go to pee you're not on Instagram (laughs) just those few moments (laughs) that we just feel like you just you sit on a tram you get on Instagram you are just like walking to your car you get on Facebook it's just so bad how much we're on our phones these days so I took this whole year off while the business was closed off social media and I've really noticed it. I've just got back on this week and I've been up later and up earlier just on social media and so I'm really going to have to check back in with myself again and I sleep with my room and my phone in another room and that really, really helps me. So just giving yourself time mm. off technology in the day is when you can check in with yourself. Mm. And it is challenging being a business owner as well. I found like before I opened my place, I wasn't on it that much. Um, but now like, I feel like I'm constantly, you know, either writing back to people on there or promoting something or, you know, connecting to others on there. It's really such a large tool now that it, it but as a health practitioner, it seems sometimes <laughs> counterintuitive. Yeah, it's really your livelihood as a business owner. You need to be on there all the time. And that is, it's the most amazing thing in the world because I can literally connect with my customers. 10 years ago, you go to a cafe, you leave, you never talk to your customer again. Now, someone comes, they chat to me at the mm. till, I say, DM me, we chat, we're friends. I've been to customers' weddings, you know, and this would never have happened without social media. So there's huge positives to it, but checking in with yourself and giving yourself limits is so important. Having some boundaries. Boundaries. Boundaries has been a good word of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> boundaries. I say that very loudly as I'm still learning mine, but... <laughs> What you spoke about <laughs> is, you know, I guess the stress of being, of creating a startup. What are some yeah. of, I guess, the challenges that you've experienced and the positives too, but there is, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know and then once you're in it, which is probably why you were fearless because you probably wouldn't have done it if you really knew what it took in, in some instances, you know. So what are some of the hardest parts, especially, I guess, this year since you are in hospitality being yeah. COVID and you would guys would have been closed I'm assuming you're still closed. You're reopening though soon, aren't you? Yes, we're reopening November 25th. Very excited about that. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Um, there was, yeah, there was so many things that I needed to learn. Hilariously, yeah, going into a business having never worked in the industry was a positive and a negative. It was actually a, a conscious choice that I made. So I wanted to go into the business without really knowing because – I really didn't love what hospitality in Melbourne had become, you know, these kind of grumpy baristas and people not giving great customer service. So I intentionally didn't work at anywhere else. So I could really, you know, set my own standards and how we greet customers and how we chat to you is very different. And that's really what people love. They love chatting to the serotonin dealers and they're also knowledgeable and so passionate about food. We really hire people who want to be there. And if they show up one day and, you know, we feel like they don't want to be there, we say, you know, if it's time for you to move on, it's time for you to move on. So you there? <laughs> Sorry, my headphones just dropped out. You went away. 
That's all right. I just had a moment Sorry, to check. where was I? <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> we heard where you said that, you know, if it's time for them to go, they can they can go. But what we're just wanting to know is maybe some of the challenges that you've experienced. And you said it was purposeful that you went into, you know, the industry because you weren't really happy with what the industry was providing anyway. But what are, you said it was a positives and negatives associated with it. Yeah, so hospitality was something I'd never worked in before and something I actually had a personal challenge with myself was plantar fasciitis. So having never kind of worked Mm. on my feet all day, I didn't really know what shoes to wear. I was wearing these terrible flat shoes. It were very funky. They were on brand, but my feet (laughs) were so sore. And exactly, when do you have that aha moment? It wasn't I remember my glutes tightening up about six months into opening the cafe and then it wasn't for another few months. My calves were so tight every night I got home and then one day about a year and a half in, I bent down to get something off a bottom shelf and it just felt like two knives digging into the bottom of my heels and I went home that night and I actually couldn't get up out of bed the next day. I tried to stand up and I just kind of like fell back into bed and I was like, what the hell? And I was everything at this time. I was the concierge on the door. I was the person on the till. I was doing the social media. I was managing all the staff. I was running all the breaks. I was opening. I was setting up. I was closing. I was there 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. every day. And then I was like, holy crap, (laughs) I can't stand up. Oh, my God. So I actually, I don't know if any customers will remember this. I used to sit on a chair at the front and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm sure people think I'm just (laughs) so lazy. I used to sit on the door like at the till And I had a chair that I would drag around with me because I just couldn't stand up. And I had stopped doing yoga when I opened, which had been such an important part of my life for like 10 years. So I stopped doing yoga and I just went from standing on concrete all day to lying down and getting back up and doing it again. And I went back to yoga that next week thinking, oh God, I just need to stretch out my body. And um, I'm quite hyper flexible and I couldn't even touch my toes. And I was like, wow, what's going on? And it took months for the diagnosis. I went to a few specialist and I don't know if they'd never heard of it before or it just seemed so out of place to me because I wasn't an elite athlete at the time or a runner or anything (laughs) but um, yeah I I had plantar fasciitis so I ended up wearing I don't know if you've heard of Strasbourg socks they're very oh I've heard of them (laughs) my strategy where to to bed every night which pull your toes back towards your knee but that took me like six months to find I just it was digging and digging and digging for research but for the next sort of year, I couldn't really work. So I really had to look at my business a whole different way. And that was a huge challenge to not be able to be there every day for my staff and for the customers. So that was sort of the first huge challenge I hit. And it was a huge pivot for me. Are you wearing Crocs now, Emily? Is that what you wear? I've, I've seen them quite ordered. popular. I can't remember the brand. They arrive at the shop this week. I'm very excited. They're recommended from mum. So they must be good. <laughs> But they're a, <laughs> that's, that's how you know. <laughs> that's how I know, yeah. She said they're very comfy. So they, they do like a thong and all the old ladies wear them, but they've done a sneaker. So you'll see me really cool next week at the shop. <laughs> <laughs> but make it compulsory for all my staff to wear runners. I'm like, you have to go out, buy like really good, like ASICs, something like that. I was like, you cannot rock up in crap shoes. You have to wear good shoes. So important. It's, well, you don't want to be wearing those socks for the next six months, let me tell you. So I'm glad that you've learned that lesson and passing the knowledge. Passing it passing on. Passing the, the most important on to thing. All the others. Exactly. <laughs> passing it on. And in terms of COVID, what's that been like? 
Yeah. I know you're probably sick of talking about it. No, no. (laughs) We actually, yeah, we've been shut since March. So for us, it was March this year. It It was the start of March and I was actually just exhausted. And I said to my manager, look, I'm just going to actually take two weeks off. It was going to be the first time I'd taken two weeks off since we opened. So I was like, I'm going to try go offline. I'm going to try go off emails and I'm going to go away for two weeks. And I'd been away 48 hours and COVID hit. So I was watching the news like we all were, like a mad person. I was They were changing the rules on us every day, obviously. So I was learning all the new rules and my customers will remember I was sending out a newsletter every single night with what we're doing, what we're doing differently, how we're going to look after you. And it was absolute madness. I went away to rest and I ended up being up until 3 a.m. every night watching the news and seeing what was happening, talking with my staff, getting them to reset up the table, a different the, the um, tables, a different configuration for the next day. And then suddenly we were only takeaway and I had to be managing the stock and I had to be managing the roster and we launched and we did breakfast, lunch and dinner just so I could give the staff enough hours because we were only doing takeaway. So I couldn't employ my 30 staff. So I was doing three shifts a day so that I could keep all the staff on. And after two weeks, it was just mental. And I thought, all right, it's just safer for all the staff and for all the customers. We're just going to shut. And we were actually planning to open in the middle of the year when everything the world kind of took a breath and it seemed good just before the second wave. But someone who I really trust, who's just quite spiritual, um, said, there's going to be a second wave, don't open. And I don't know. I just listened to them and I listened to my gut. And I'm so lucky I didn't restock because there are so many other people in Melbourne who spent 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 restocking fridges, reprepping, getting ready to go again. And then they had 48 hours to shut down. So... We haven't been open since and it's been, yeah, a bit of a guessing game, but I really wanted to kind of reopen when the rules were semi back to normal. We were never really a takeaway venue. It's not it's not what we do. We create experiences and happiness facilitated through you coming in and sitting down and enjoying the whole session. So we've waited till we've been able to do that again and we're really excited now because we've actually got Utopia open, which is our event space next door. So we're nearly going to be back at full capacity with Serotonin and our event space, both taking seatings. And we've been given huge foot bath training out the front. So that's going to be really exciting to open next week. Oh, what a <laughs> relief. What a relief. But you are constantly like you, you make really, really um, unique and interesting business decisions, right? And I, (laughs) no, in a really positive way, um, because, you know, a lot of, you just don't follow the pack necessarily. You really are an innovator in that sense. What, where do you think they come from? Like these ideas, do you just listen to yourself or or what is it? Because they're very different and I love it. I feel like I need to ask you everything before I do anything at the moment. Adelaide, what do you think about this? Because I just love it. Where does that come from? Or do you think it's just in you and your personality or what is it? Yeah, I think I'm definitely, I just listen to my gut and I have absolutely tuned into my intuition. Um, It's so funny you say that because I don't see any different rules I make, but then I I do see people sort of start to follow things that I've done and then I, yeah, I see that, oh, okay, that wasn't the norm. (laughs) But yeah, I just, I really look at all different industries. That's something I learned um, in a business course I did years ago. So don't just look to your industry to see what they're doing. Look at every other industry, you know, so something I'm doing as we relaunch is using like real estate boards to market on. Um, And I just think 
people are so bored with the norm. So I, I, yeah, I guess I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I'm an innovator. So I just love creating new things. And I'm always a glass half full kind of person. So my staff will absolutely freak out. We'll be doing some brand new event with brand new speakers, brand new menu, something we've never done before. And they're like, M, it's just not going to work. They're having a meltdown two seconds before. And I'm just so calm. I just know that everything works out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that's such good advice, actually, because we do tend to just look within our own and what we're doing rather than looking at a bigger picture and what other industries are doing well. Because at the end of the day, it's a human experience. It's about humans, not, yeah. not the industry as such, isn't it? And I always, something I always say is like, will this matter in a year from now? If something's going wrong, is this actually going to matter in a year from now? Or are we just having a meltdown over absolutely nothing? And 99% of the time we're having a meltdown over nothing. So just move on, move on. (laughs) No, not me. Never never about nothing. It's always, (laughs) everything's very dramatic all the time. I'm like, can't my life just be normal for five minutes? There's always something going on. Like, oh, I'm not normal, Emily. So why would my life be normal? Well, I think something that's so important in kind of being okay with the craziness is setting intentions, setting goals. I have vision boards. And then you can kind of always see that things don't happen to you. Things happen for you. You know, you can always, it's really hard to sometimes see that in the moment, but because I've been doing this for so long, I'm like, oh yeah, that happened because this needed to happen. And I can always see. So even exactly when like everything's melting down, maybe having like technology malfunctions, something's not working. I'm like, all right, what can I see? What's the silver lining? And there is always something. Mm, You're so right. I did a Tony Robbins. I'm not ashamed. (laughs) I did Tony Robbins a couple of months ago. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've always loved him, but I know. Yeah, I love him. I've done his business course. It's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. And he's like, life happens for you, not to you. I'm like, yes, Tony. You know? um, and he's so right. And then he gets you to think about all these kind of coincidences in your life, you know, that aren't coincidences you know like what are the chances of those things happening and how have they brought you to what you're doing now and it just makes you feel like you know that life's helping guide you rather than it's against you sometimes and that's so important in challenging times because you know sometimes you feel like oh god why is this happening to me wow 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 and if you can look at it like you know what in a couple of years from now it'll all make sense and it does it really truly does so I suggest everyone does that you know map out some really hard times in your life but what has that led you to and if that hadn't have happened what wouldn't be in your life now that you're grateful for so that's always something I get people to do um and so I love that you do that as well because yeah I think mindset's pretty much majority I think it's like 80% psychology you know me if I hadn't have been through depression and suicidal thoughts I wouldn't have a happiness center that has changed and made so many people happy so I'm so grateful for that and one of my favorite people that I always watch do this on social media is Emma Maidman who's my yoga teacher and her like car will break down on the way to something and then she'll be like it's okay it's happened for a reason (laughs) she's the ultimate positivist (laughs) She definitely is. And I actually have Ty- had Tyson on here not too long ago and I didn't even know they'd moved. I'm like, where are you guys? What are you doing? What's, ha- what's happening? And they just turned their whole business online and, you know, she's she's amazing. They're, they're a beautiful, beautiful couple. That so is something I, I that's love that 100% got me through this year. Their flow state 
retreats, uh, sorry, their flow state yoga online and their, their PT. So yeah, uh, Tyson's a PT teacher and Emma is a yoga teacher in meditation. So their classes, it's like crazy cheap. It's like $49 for a quarter. And I do a class like every single day. So I don't know, that equals very, oh, very that. cheap and you can just do it at home. That's the best thing that COVID's taught us. <laughs> everything can be done at home but I do look forward to one of their retreats one day we should go on one they they do these surfing ones and I really want to learn how to surf yes me too Um, I'm terrible I can barely swim (laughs) I can swim to probably save myself but I'm I'm shocking like it's it's not a good time for me so I want to learn how to surf I'm 100% up for that Just like seeing this giraffe, you know, on a surfboard, but I want to give it a go. (laughs) So when that's open, that's where we're going. But I guess the other personal question I wanted to ask you, this is a question for me, but you're always, you know, creating or doing something, which sometimes reflects in your cortisol levels. Yes. But what keeps you motivated, I guess, because you're just constantly, you know, on, 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 motivated, 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 so purposeful. And what, where do you think that comes from? Do you think it's just because you're doing what you're meant to do? I'm going to give you two answers for this. The first answer is that that's probably what it looks like from the outside, but I'm really, really good at resting. So at least once a month, if not once a week, I take a whole day in bed and that's just like a guilty pleasure that shouldn't be a guilty pleasure at all. I just like surround myself with all my favorite things in bed and I stay in bed for the whole day. So even though I'm on a lot, I absolutely I'm off a lot. So I use what's called the 888 rule, which was just like game changing for me. I try to tell everyone about it. And in your day, you have eight hours to sleep. You have eight hours to work, but that also leaves eight hours to do whatever else you want to do. And I learned about it when I was starting to meditate and I just thought, how am I going to fit in 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night? But when I learned I have eight hours every single day of free time, it kind of changed my life. And that's where I, yeah, I learned to rest more. I learned just to go on bike rides more and go on walks more and just take bars and do things that slow me down. So that's how I'm able to be on all the time because I do rest. But what enables me to keep going all the time is my vision. So serotonin's goal from six years ago has been to reduce preventable deaths and diseases by changing minds and lives. So just educating people is what inspires me. I love that. I love that. I love that mission statement. What a big statement to be, you know, going for how old? 20. Huge. Exactly. (laughs) 24. Yeah. 24. Only something small, only wanting to change the world. But on on that note, I guess what what is your hope and wish for the world going forward and in in this new world that we're finding ourselves in, especially in Melbourne? What what do you hope and wish for for everyone? Is it just literally happiness and that's why you've created serotonin or or what is it? Yeah, happiness and what that comes from. So connection, like community is such an important part of serotonin. We do the um, free exercise classes every Saturday morning. So we just come meet at the front of serotonin at 7.30. We go and do a workout and that is just so important because then a lot of people come um, and a lot of people come who have social anxiety. I've conned them in over the years. They're like, oh, I really don't want to come. And then I get them there and it's changed their lives because once you do that kind of movement, which unlocks so much in your body, you come back, you're sweaty, you're a bit exhausted. It really opens your heart. And then we sit and we have a brunch afterwards and everyone kind of chats and shares. And it's people you would never 
probably chat with and never connect with from like all different ages and walks of life. Like we have (laughs) four and six year olds that come with their parents all the way up to like 65 year olds. So, and everyone sits down and we all share stories. So to have more connection and yeah, just to be more open-hearted is what I would wish. Mm, I I love that. I've just um, put a call out there for like a friendship group that I was going to start because so many people that see me are are looking for connection with like-minded individuals and they're not finding that in Mm -hmm. their own lives. And I had over 70 women message me asking to be a part of it. And I just thought, wow, you know, connection and community is so, (laughs) yeah, is so needed. So now I've got this big thing on my hands that I'm like, oh God, I've got to try and create this thing, which I will do. Um, I was like, I was looking for more like 10 10 people. Like a friend or two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, now we've got like 70. So I'm trying to like put out them up in like little groups and and like almost matchmaking people um, who I think would be, you know, really beneficial in their lives. But (laughs) <laughs> so I love that community is important to you as well. Yeah, it was something I sort of knew that I would meet like-minded people opening because obviously the people that come are interested in health and fitness and happiness and eating well and looking after themselves. So it's so easy for my staff to be able to chat to all of our customers because they're all so lovely and they're there for a positive experience. It's like the sneakiest business plan ever because people are already coming expecting to be happy. So then they're happy when they arrive and then we feed them this serotonin tryptophan tryptophan food so then their mood stabilize and they just float on out of there so our customers are very happy (laughs) very 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 sneaky (laughs) so we've learned a lot about the things that you know the challenges and the things that you've done and is, is there anything that you would have changed along the way I'm assuming no after our discussion but is there anything you go oh maybe that wasn't a good idea or or are you happy with with it all I think uh, on reflection, no regrets, but I guess I would have gone slower. <laughs> I would have gone slower and I would have brought on people to help me sooner. I think in startup phase, you've got to do a lot because, you know, there's no money. There was $240 in my bank account the day I opened and my staff wages are about $10,000 a week. So there wasn't much room to bring on more people as it was. <laughs> but I think I just would have brought on just sort of one or two more people to help me personally sooner. And that's something I learned probably two or three or four years in. But if someone can do it 70% as well as you can, hand it over, you know, set up that system, hand it over and just go a bit slower and enjoy life. I was so, I was just running into business every day head on. And I probably didn't enjoy it as much as I could have back then because I was so exhausted. So yeah, I would have just taken it a bit slower. Mm-hmm. That's really, really good advice. Well, Emily, thank you for joining me today. I feel very lucky to have had you on and we've had a great chat and I think we need to catch up for some serotonin food soon. Yes, definitely. I'm so excited. We'll be launching our like serotonin uh, education events soon again. So maybe that's where we can get all 70 people there and we do digger stations and feed you and educate you. And that could be an awesome group of like-minded people. <laughs> that would be good, actually. That saves me a lot of organization. So you know how many, you're going to get a hundred more messages after gift. this now. <laughs> I, I know, but you know, I thought it would be so nice. And yeah, obviously everyone's really wanting that. So that sounds good to me. And well, thank you for joining me. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you all next time. Thank Thanks, you so Anne. much, SJ. Bye. 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 <laughs>